It's Monday, September 12th. I'm Pam Jones. Mayor Scott is trying to get the message out that the water in West Baltimore is safe to drink again. Maryland's governor is joining other Republicans and calling on President Biden to rescind his student loan forgiveness plan. When it comes to colleges in the state, there are some standouts, according to a Forbes list. Seniors living on a college campus. That's what Goucher College is planning, and a new initiative aimed at building relationships between incarcerated parents in Baltimore and their kids is starting to take shape. It's the Daily Dose from WIPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. City Hall has given the all clear to West Baltimore residents when it comes to the safety of their tap water. The Department of Public Works told residents on Friday that the affected areas that had been advised to boil water for several days were no longer tested for the presence of E. coli bacteria. But today, Mayor Brandon Scott was trying to get the message out that the water is safe to drink again. Despite the all clear call from City Hall, Public Works Director Jason Mitchell and his department was still working on finding the cause of the contamination. Mitchell says it could have been caused by a number of things from a water main break to construction projects. Governor Larry Hogan has joined the chorus of about two dozen Republican governors who are urging the president to rescind his student loan forgiveness plan. They penned a letter to President Biden arguing it's not fair for American taxpayers to pay off the debt of an elite few. They claim the plan would encourage more borrowing and prompt colleges to raise tuition rates, driving inflation up further. Hundreds of community members joined Baltimore firefighters yesterday to commemorate 9-11. They all climbed the 110 stairs at M&T Bank Stadium in honor of those who died and those who responded to the terror attacks on September 11, 2001. The annual event is sponsored by the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. Some Maryland colleges made the list of 500 of best in the nation, according to a new ranking by Forbes. University of Maryland, Towson, Salisbury, and Johns Hopkins universities all made the list. UMD came in at number 40, the highest in the state. Students on the campus of Goucher College may one day need to make room for seniors in golf carts. Goucher and the Edenwall Senior Living Community in Towson are making plans for retirees to live on campus. WIPR's John Lee reports this would be the first arrangement of its kind in the state. Martha Wyman has lived at Edenwald for three years. She likes the idea of it becoming a university-based retirement community. I'm hoping it won't be a hard sell, but, you know, there's some older people who are so rigid. But there are those of us who really think it's a great idea. And I think it keeps you young, dealing with younger people. And the young people have a lot to learn from us older people. Mark Beggs, Edenwald's CEO, says while there are about 2,000 retirement communities in the country, fewer than 100 of them are university-based, none of which are in Maryland. Edenwald is adjacent to Goucher. Beggs says the idea is to expand its current building onto three acres of the Goucher campus, connecting the two institutions. Beggs says retirement communities are often islands unto themselves. I mean, we have restaurants, beauty shops, 
gyms, banks. It, people could move into a community like this and never leave the property. That's not what they want anymore. What they want are the cultural events at Goucher, like concerts and plays. There's taking classes, and perhaps seniors could even tap into Goucher's requirement that students study abroad. Edenwald would offer apartments to some faculty. In return for a free place to live, they would run programs for residents. This is a case of both businesses dealing with changing demographics. Kent Devereaux, the president of Goucher College, says the pool of 18 to 22-year-olds is shrinking. So if we look out 20 years from now and say, gee, we are just going to have um, a smaller high school graduating population nationwide, and at the same time, we're going to have a much larger percentage of the population that is over 65. Republican Councilman David Marks proposed legislation that will allow the plan to go forward. Baltimore County has a senior population that's exceeding 25 percent. Our elderly population is going to continue to grow. And this is the type of campus that I think can really attract seniors and promote a culture of lifelong learning. But some of those seniors may come from far beyond the Baltimore area. Part of the marketing strategy would be reaching out to Goucher alumni about returning to campus. Mark Beggs at Edenwald says they surveyed alums about it. 30% of Goucher alumni who live more than 250 miles away are interested in moving to a community like this. That's unheard of. Edenwald wants to lease three acres on the Goucher campus, and while nothing is final, it's considering putting three high-rises on the property that would have 127 apartments. If all goes well with financing and the like, Begg says they would start building the towers in 2025. He says one way the seniors would get around on campus is in golf carts. Goucher freshman Clara Phelps says she'd be cool with that. I think I'd like that. You would That'd like be that. fun. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I could hitch a ride or something. Zoe Breyer, who's a junior majoring in psychology, says she worked with seniors when she was in high school and learned a lot from them. She says it's important that there's a campus-wide discussion about university-based retirement. I do worry since like it is like there are like party cultures on campus and there are like things like that that they would feel a little. I, I don't know if they would like the culture in that sense. Mark Beggs at Edenwald says the seniors would be far removed from student housing and that they do plan to survey Goucher students to take their temperature on sharing the campus. John Lee, WIPR News. It is estimated that at least 20,000 children in Baltimore have a parent who is either behind bars or on parole or probation. A new program, Be More Connect, seeks to try and strengthen the bond between parent and child upon release of the parent in an effort to reduce trauma. Kate Sweeney is the co-director of the Parent-Infant Early Childhood Program at the Institute for Innovation and Implementation at the University of Maryland School of Social Work. She is also the project director for Be More Connects. In a recent conversation with On the Record host Sheila Cast, Sweeney talks about how parenting classes will work. The parenting classes, we're delivering um, an evidence-based practice. It's called Circle of Security Parenting. It's uh, an international model that has been used in many different settings, including Baltimore City schools previously. And it's a group-based format. So we're working with the detention centers right now to um, figure out the logistics of how parents will uh, self-enroll in this program. And they will be facilitated by a trained 
professional who also does uh, reentry work in the city. Um, so is very familiar with the circumstances that these families and these parents are dealing with currently uh, being incarcerated and separated from their families and their, their kids. And the videos and the, the discussions that flow throughout the eight weeks really focus on increasing a parent's confidence in their interactions with, with their children, giving them some skills on how to read their children's emotions and cues uh, and be what the model calls a secure base for their, their child. So, you know, steady, consistent, um, self-regulated themselves um, and really work on, you know, just building that attachment and those relationships. How many parents are you looking at? Our aim is over the course of three years to serve 400 parents. And those parents will come in a couple of different uh, sort of categories. So the first, as you said, is we're focusing on uh, men and women that are currently incarcerated that will be returning to Baltimore City that are six months uh, pre-release. The second category of parents and caregivers um, are those that are in the re-entry phase. So they've, they've been released from incarceration. Uh, so our our project is intending to kind of bookend their uh, their incarceration and, and reentry so that they'll we'll follow them six months pre-release and then six months post-release, but also uh, welcome families that have experienced incarceration in the community, but not necessarily recently as well. The Annie E. Casey Foundation studied the toll of incarceration on families and reported that children with incarcerated parents are more likely to experience homelessness or enter the foster care system, not to mention the trauma and mental toll that separation can take. Sweeney says trying to reconnect the parent with the child is no doubt challenging, especially when some time has passed and other obstacles. We know through many different stories across the country that COVID really made that even harder. Um, so one of the aims of our project overall is to really get a deeper understanding of some policy implications or changes for visitation practices for children when their caregivers are incarcerated, because we know that they can be inconsistent and, and vary based on uh, each de detention center, but uh, can be scary experiences for, for kids, um, no matter what the age, you know, going through the various um, safety checks to even enter. And then there can be varying rules about if you can embrace your caregiver, if you cannot touch them. And after they've been away, it can be hard to be in a room with, with other families and just sort of fall back into whatever interaction that was. So that's why it's, it's really so important for that bond to be supported in the sort of six months pre-release period. You mentioned visitation. You'll also be examining the training of corrections officers. What else? I mean, why? What's, what, what's the connection? Throughout the various deliverables for this project, the one consistency is really focusing on a trauma-informed approach that takes into consideration relationships and attachment. And we felt that not only giving that sort of lens to the incarcerated caregivers, um, as well as the caregivers in the community, but um, the, the detention center staff that are interacting with, with the incarcerated and the families as well, part of what we're doing is partnering with um, the city's health department. They have developed and disseminated a trauma-informed training to a number of different settings across the city. So we are partnering with them to adapt it a little bit and deliver it to detention center staff. Sweeney further stated that they hope to be able to start the parenting classes sometime this fall once approval is given from the University of Maryland, but she does discuss the first detention center that will benefit. 
we are um, focusing on the Women's Detention Center, so Maryland Correctional Institute for Women, a group in the community called Pivot, which um, has done reentry work in Baltimore City for quite some time, is going to be the folks on the ground going in and delivering the training. Um, and then, as I said, they'll, they'll follow um, the women six months post-release as well. And the really anchoring thing about pulling Pivot into the project is that they already do job training and all sorts of reentry work, including case management and just sort of supports for, for women. So when they opt into this, this parenting class, they're getting an, an introduction to that team that they'll be able to work with when they're back in the community as well. Once we have things up and running in MCIW, we want to move into um, the City Correction Center um, to offer the same opportunities for fathers. You can hear more about the Be More Connect program by going to On the Record at WIPR.org. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WIPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Many thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, Shekinah Collier, Bethany Raja, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Kristen Mossbrugger. Our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. If you have a scoop or suggestion for this podcast, my social media hangout is Twitter at That's Pam Jones. So remember to be courageous and stay curious. I'm Pam Jones. Thanks for listening.